together and let's turn on our Bibles to the book of Philippians, chapter 4, Sunday morning, studying the book of Philippians together. And uh, as we're finding our way there, if you're with us this morning without a Bible, just flag the guys coming up the aisles. I'll get you a Bible in your hands so you can hear the Word, but read it as well. Uh, Sunday nights we go through the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, and uh, currently studying the Gospel according to John. Uh, and tonight we'll be looking at chapter 19 if you want to read ahead, uh, 6 o'clock this evening. This, e uh, this morning, uh, just two verses. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do and the peace of God will be with you. Let's pray together. Father, we're thankful for your word and we're also thankful that we need never turn to it independent of you and the work of your Holy Spirit. Our hearts turn toward you and a longing to commune with you as we read your word to us. And so we pray that you would speak to us and all of the reasons that this these two verses are in the passage, not only for us as a congregation, but for each of us uh, individually, that you would speak those truths into our lives. We look forward to communing with you as we study your word this morning. And we pray and we ask for this work of your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Paul's closing section to this book of Philippians includes a, as we've mentioned last week, this rapid-fire series of final encouragements and exhortations. And uh, chapter 4, as you would uh, read through it, certainly as a Christian that has been around for any length of time, you'll recognize that it contains some of the most memorized passages in all of the Bible. Uh, from verse 1 all the way through to the end of, of the chapter, I, I, I suppose it would contain the most memorized series of verses for any one chapter in all of the Bible for the average Christian. And as we've seen, the Apostle Paul has instructed us that in this chapter, that peace and joy in our life doesn't just uh, happen, but that we play a part in it through the resolution of interpersonal conflicts. He addressed that in verses one through three. Living a life of gentleness that is uh, gracious in our dealings with other people in verse five. Uh, remembering Jesus's return, verse five and then exchanging our anxieties in life for the peace of God through prayer in verses six and seven. And this morning, the Apostle Paul continues by instructing us that the fullness of God's peace and his joy in our lives can only be found in uh, a well-directed mind. Uh, and he not only uh, speaks to us about this, but then he tells us and defines what a well-directed mind is. 
We begin by noting the statement that Paul closes uh, our text with there in verse 9. He says, the peace of God will be with you. Sometimes when we're studying a passage um, in the Bible, uh, the best way to understand that passage is go to the conclusion of the thought progression and then to work your way back because here the absolute uh, intent of the passage is there. Then we can go back and understand the elaboration related to uh, that truth. And we notice that verse 8 is framed by the subject of peace in our lives uh, as Christians. Paul speaks of it in verse 7. He speaks of it again in verse 9. And so this instruction is given to us in order that we might, as Christians, our lives might be marked by joy. The overarching theme of the book of Philippians is joy, but also that our lives might be marked by peace, which he frames this particular passage with. We notice in verse 8 that word meditate and communicating that Once again, that peace and joy in our lives as Christians will in large part be determined by what we make our meditations in life, uh, by making sure that our meditations in life are well-directed. The word uh, meditate, logizamai, is the Greek word Paul uses here. It carries the idea of to think upon, to meditate upon, to give thoughtful consideration to, to ponder, to reason, to estimate, uh, and to count. Of course, meditation is an activity of the mind. The mind is always meditating. It is always focused on something. And the decision that we will make as Christians and and we will make as human beings is not whether we will meditate in the course of uh, each of the days of our lives. The only decision we will play a part in is what we choose uh, to meditate uh, upon, what we make our, uh, the focus of our ponderings or our thoughts. And so we realize that since this activity uh, fills every waking hour of our lives, choosing what we make our meditations in life is going to have a massive impact upon the quality of our life. And perhaps nothing else will so determine the quality of our peace and joy as as this particular uh, issue. Well, all of this meditation that we do in life would be inconsequential apart from the fact that what we meditate upon is then digested by the mind. And then it it, it is taken and absorbed into our lives. It now uh, affects our thinking. It affects our perspectives in life. uh, It fashions our emotions. And of course, it affects us spiritually as well. So as surely as uh, we eat something, and by eating that, eating, putting food in our mouth and chewing it and, and eating it, that is a meditation of sorts, Uh, And as surely as what we eat is going to affect us and and be absorbed by the body into the totality of the body, 
what we set our minds upon are going to do the same thing related to our, uh, our perspectives, related to our emotions, and uh, related to our spirit and our mind, of course. And as a result of this, God declares in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, if you take notes, he said, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. To the Hebrew mind, the heart represented uh, the mind. It didn't represent supremely the emotions. It represented the intellect. And so he said, keep your heart or your mind with all diligence. And the word diligence means to guard, guard above all else. And the reason we're to guard it above all else, he tells us there in that passage, for out of it spring the issues of our lives. The fact of the matter is what we make our meditations in life never remain merely meditations. They always translate into attitudes, into actions, and and into words in our life. And for that reason, Jesus declared to the Pharisees in his day, he said, brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? And then here it is, for out of the abundance of the mouth, the heart, uh, out of the abundance of the heart, rather, the mouth uh, speaks. Paul wrote to the church, churches in Galatia, and Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, that he shall also uh, reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. There is the famous saying, uh, probably most of us are familiar uh, with it, but it's worth uh, mentioning at this point, uh, sow a thought, reap an action. Uh, Sow an action, reap a habit. Uh, Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character and reap a destiny. And uh, that is always true. Uh, And it speaks to the importance of what it is that we think upon. There's a lesser known uh, adage, but it's equally true. Noble thinking produces noble living. High thinking produces high living. Holy thinking produces holy living. And it can never be otherwise. Uh, That can never happen uh, any other way. And so as a result of that, the mind has to be well-directed. It's impossible to overstate the importance of this in our lives. Also, because uh, we live in a fallen world, uh, the mind also uh, is in need of protection. It needs to be protected. The mind is a fragile uh, thing. And like everything that's been created by God, it was created uh, for a certain purpose. It was created to process and to uh, enjoy the things that we're going to get to in a moment that constitute the list here in in verse 8. And because of our First Amendment rights here in the United States of of America and uh, our right to free speech in 
uh, the, this country, which I support wholeheartedly, but it allows for the expression of virtually anything and everything in terms of speech, in terms of media, in terms of uh, entertainment, and we have the freedom to partake of almost limitless, uh, mind-breaking content uh, through the eye gate and uh, through the ear, uh, ear gates. And so, in the wisdom of our uh, founding fathers, the government cannot restrict in this regard, and as a result, we have to individually uh, be diligent about what we allow to become our meditations in life because we have the freedom and the access to literally anything and everything that can fill uh, the human imagination for, for good and for bad. And thus for us to experience a life of joy and peace as Christians, the sources of our meditations have to be different than the, the source of, of the meditations of those uh, in, uh, in the world and, the, and their meditations. And remember the Apostle Paul, when he wrote this, he wrote it in a much simpler time uh, in, in history in this regard. The practice of evil, uh, the practice of wrongdoing, the temptation to uh, make these things uh, our meditations in life, that has always existed. In, in human history, but the prevalence of it, uh, the accessibility uh, of, of these things, uh, and increasingly uh, our nation's social endorsement of these things requires us, I think, to give even extraordinary heed here to what it is that the Apostle Paul speaks to us in, in verse 8. And uh, when I was a boy, there was an ad that came up on the television occasionally uh, by the United Negro College Fund, and it declared, uh, a mind is a terrible thing to waste. And I remember being uh, a, a very young little boy, and that just impacted me. That ad so much, and that phrase that was, uh, that was made, it really embedded in me, and it, and it made me think. And it spoke specifically of a mind being wasted because of a, a lack of opportunity and specifically uh, access to higher education. But there are a lot of other ways to waste a mind in life as well, and including living my life without a well-directed mind. Now, thankfully, the Holy Spirit doesn't just tell us here that uh, we need to keep our minds uh, well-directed and then leave us to define it ourselves. We'd be uh, at a loss probably to uh, figure that out. And we certainly couldn't put the list together that he puts together for us here. So he tells us our mind needs to be well-directed. And then he also tells us what to, we're to make the sources of our meditations in life here in verse 8. Now, here are the themes that God says are worthy uh, of a, a mind in one who has been created in the image of God, and even further, one who has been born again by the Holy Spirit, one who is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. 
And it's an extraordinary way to look at our lives and to realize that we aren't just anybody, uh, even a person that isn't saved yet has been created in the image uh, of God. And by virtue of that, uh, the, uh, the, God is the one that uh, knows what should be the sources of our meditations. And so these lists that he puts together here constitutes a very safe place in which we may um, harbor or park our minds in life. And a safe place to park our minds, depending on how active our minds are, is an invaluable thing uh, in this world with so much that is unsafe uh, mentally uh, for us. Notice also that Paul doesn't frame all of this in the negative. He doesn't say, uh, don't think on these things. That would be helpful on a, uh, on a certain level, but no one can live a negative. We need to be directed to a positive, something that's constructive. And, and as we will make uh, that our standard that he lists here, then the negative takes care of itself. The negative and the destructive uh, and harmful will fall away on its own. Notice too that Paul repeats the phrase, and whatsoever enlisting these series of virtues. And he could have said just, and whatsoever, uh, and just headed through the list and, and uh, just tied them uh, very, very tightly together. But he doesn't. He said, and whatsoever in introducing each one of them. And the idea and the reason that he does that is in order for us as we read it and we study it, in order that we would stop for a moment before we move on to the next item in the list, and give it consideration in our lives, uh, to ask ourselves about our own thinking and meditations, whether this is something that actually uh, uh, marks it, and then, and then is necessary to make whatever changes might be required as a result. He begins the list by speaking about uh, meditating on whatsoever things are true. And the word true here means true, it means real. It means conform to the nature and reality of things, as opposed to what is not true, uh, that is a, a lie, whether that lie takes the form of an out-and-out -out lie, or whether it takes the form of denying uh, uh, truth that is found uh, in the Bible, uh, claiming uh, something that claims to be true, that cannot hold up under uh, the nitty-gritty of, of life, uh, something that is disconnected from reality and disconnected from the true nature of things. In this regard, I think of uh, in, a, in a whole uh, parade of things within our culture that fall into this category, but I think of uh, this thing, this hot topic today of transgenderism, and it would fit into this category. The idea that I can become whatever sex I desire to be by simply identifying with that sex. When the sex of an individual is clearly determined by uh, that individual's reproductive organs 
and also by the chromosomes that exist uh, in every cell of, uh, of their uh, bodies, of our bodies. And to believe otherwise is not only to fight against God's truth on the issue, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created them, male and female he created them, Genesis chapter 1 verse 27, but it's also to fight against reality. It is to fight against nature. It is to fight against creation. And ultimately, it is to fight against myself down to the cellular level within my, within my body. And I think that this, this attempt to help people with, and with very, very real physical and mental and emotional problems and needs in this way, it's going to fail them because it isn't based in truth. It isn't based in reality. And what a person needs is what every single one of us needs on the face of this planet uh, is the touchstone of God's Word. Something that exists in the human condition and in the world that we can come to know this is the truth. That this truth has a foundation. That this uh, truth that is found here is an anchor. It's immovable. It will never fail me uh, in my life. It's based in reality. It works. It is the way to live. And to be able, for whatever our issues are in life, to be able to come to the Bible, to come to that truth and say, here is the truth about me. And here is the truth about uh, this practice or that practice. And let me start there. And the fact that there is a truth that comes from God immediately infuses hope into my heart concerning my uh, situation. And uh, then to move forward uh, safely toward a solution, whatever the issue might be that we're dealing with in life. Life is going to be emotionally and physically and mentally hard anyway for this person and for anyone in this world uh, because of, uh, of the fall. But the question is, which path is going to be harder? Coming to Christ and now having a true and thus a safe place from which to operate and found my life or making myself the physical, the emotional, uh, the mental, the moral, the spiritual uh, experiment of others and of myself in the face of truth. We now live in a nation <clears throat> called the United States of America. I don't read foreign newspapers. I wish I had the time to do that, to see how they're processing our current uh, uh, years of insanity. Uh, but I'm it sure it must look very, very bizarre to them. But we now live in a nation that's so confused on the subject of truth that it declares that everything is true and nothing is true at the same time and doesn't even blink at the contradiction or, or to 
try to dig into that contradiction with any kind of depth. And so who in their right mind is going to uh, be uh, trusting them to guide anyone into the truth on anything, much less the most important truths of all, moral and spiritual truth. And it isn't just transgenderism. I use that as an example, but it's true of everything in life. And here we have in life and in our country, we've got this need to test everything, that the world is uh, advancing as a new way of thinking, a new way of living, uh, new uh, things that we ought to be meditating upon and making our own. And of course, uh, the things that are uh, under attack always, uh, because there's a devil behind all of it, are the institutions of God. So to re-examine these new ideas about God's institution of marriage and what it constitutes, uh, God's definitions of uh, the home, uh, the family unit, how children are to be uh, raised, uh, God's uh, institution of government and, and its purpose and its uh, scope, uh, how to view human life, uh, whether the unborn or whether the elderly or everybody in between, how to view race and how to view our fellow man, uh, how to view uh, and, and conduct our speech, including social media, Uh, All the new definitions and new things we're being told that are worthy of consideration and meditation and making our own in, in terms of the definitions of right and wrong and so forth. But we're not to give these kind of lies the, a place of positive, uh, meditation in our lives. Jesus himself declared uh, and declared of himself, John chapter 14, verse 6. And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Jesus prayed to God the Father for us as Christians on the night before his crucifixion. And he prayed, Father, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth, singular. And then Jesus taught in the, uh, 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 the passage in Luke chapter 7, verse 35, he said, but wisdom is justified by her children. The ultimate test of wisdom is the quality of human being that it produces. Wisdom is justified. It earns the right to be called wisdom by virtue of the type and quality of person it produces. And wisdom is not wisdom because it shouts down everybody else in the room and simply, or simply because it declares itself to be uh, wisdom. Wisdom is not wisdom by decree. It is not wisdom simply because someone stands up and declares it to be wisdom. Wisdom, true wisdom, must earn the right to be called wisdom, to be esteemed as wisdom and as truth in life. And wisdom is not true wisdom 
if it produces unholy people in whatever its form, or sin-addicted or sin-enslaved people, or sexually immoral people, or self-destructive people, or self-dominated people, or violent people, or hopeless uh, people. The consequences of so much of what is called the truth in our culture uh, today. And it doesn't constitute wisdom even if the whole world stands up and in unison declares it to be wisdom because it isn't founded in reality. It isn't, it does not work in the human uh, life. And this whatsoever things are true doesn't mean that we have to limit all of our reading in life uh, to the Bible. There's a lot of literature, for example, nonfiction, uh, fiction, poetry, and uh, et cetera, that explores and it celebrates uh, the truth as it is in God's Word. Uh, <clears throat> Charles Dickens is a classic example of this. C.S. Lewis, another example. George MacDonald, another example. F.W. Borum uh, is another example, as well as many contemporary artists in this, in, in this regard. And then they say nothing of, of those whose gifts are not in literature, but they lie in music and painting and film, uh, etc. Who can look and go to a museum if we're fortunate enough to be able to do so, or to go online and be able to ac- access any biblical scene that was painted by Rembrandt? And look at that beauty, look at the depth of how somehow, I mean, only the Spirit of God could do it, causes him to see what is the main issue uh, uh, on that scene and to bring it out uh, so beautifully. There's so many ways in which to uh, set our minds upon uh, truth even beyond the Scriptures. Additionally, this whatsoever things are true doesn't mean that we can or that we should. Uh, And certainly the case of a Christian apologist would be an example. uh, Avoid what is untrue in life. Uh, No one's going to become a Christian apologist uh, without understanding something about what isn't true and is an attack upon what is, is the truth. And so uh, it isn't to avoid everything that's untrue in life, whether, it, 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 whether it's in school or in the workplace or in our relationships with fa- family and friends. There's no way we can do that. But the call is, is that we don't make those lies our meditations uh, in, in uh, life. We don't uh, treat them in the say and, and allow them to influence us in the same way we do as truth. I've spent most of our time this morning on the subject of truth. I want to infuse hope at this particular point in time that we will not deal with each one of these with the same depth. But truth is under such attack within our culture that it warrants that, uh, that, that kind of uh, time and, and even the idea that uh, truth itself exists. Uh, he goes on and he talks about whatsoever things are noble, and the word noble means majestic, 
awe-inspiring, elevated, possessing dignity. And so God uh, speaks to us and says, uh, save your mind for noble thoughts. And our minds have been created by God for the exploration of what is noble. And uh, for noble thoughts, things that are worthy of respect, things that ennoble our minds. And they're there, even though they're largely ignored by the culture, uh, what, uh, and, uh, uh, which is so determined to set our minds upon uh, what is trivial or meaningless or, or worse. And so what are some noble things that we can set our minds upon or that we can notice and allow to enrich us where we see them uh, in life? Uh, courage, uh, self-sacrifice, uh, somebody championing a cause that is right but is unpopular, uh, honesty, integrity, uh, protecting the weak. And of course, the Bible supplies us with uh, these kind of themes in abundance, uh, noble themes like love, uh, grace, goodness, bravery, patience, forgiveness, uh, faithfulness, salvation, heaven, hope, optimism, on and on and on uh, the, the list goes. And of course, all of them uh, in, uh, on full display in, in Jesus himself, the most noble life that uh, ever was ever lived. He says further, number three, whatsoever things are just. And you notice that He's laying out a grid here uh, that is helpful for us. And so a, a grid to run our meditations through. And so we ask ourselves first of what we're going to make a meditation in our life. Is it true? And if it's true, then it's allowed to go further down the line uh, to is it noble? And if it's also noble, then it goes down the line uh, to is it just? And when he talks about whatsoever things are just, He's talking about what is right or righteous. Our meditations are to be uh, upon what is right or righteous as opposed to wrong and, and unrighteous. In other words, anything that nurtures within us a desire uh, to uh, do what is wrong. That is not to be a meditation for our lives. That is not something that is, is just. So anything that goes into the ear gate goes into the eye gate and it lowers our resistance to or it's trying to convert us on some level uh, to cheat or to steal or to commit a crime or to be sexually Im immature. Uh, impure rather, or to be violent, or to be abusive in our treatment of, of others. And so many other things that are the subject of songs today and, and, uh, and the principal message of, of so uh, many movies, etc. Whatsoever things are pure, and uh, so what, whatever is holy, whatever is uh, undefiled by impurities, and, and really whatever is innocent. Uh, innocence is a very valuable trait in a, in a human life, and it is to be prized and it is to be uh, protected uh, in our lives. 
and it is not to be spoiled uh, through the exploration of what is uh, evil or impure. Paul writes specifically about this in Romans chapter 16, verse 19, and he spoke to the church in Rome, to us as well, but I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. Now, of course, law enforcement officers, many others that are involved in the criminal justice system and other, other areas in life, they cannot avoid exposure to what is uh, impure uh, in life and often what is uh, evil. But even they or we are not to allow it to become uh, a, a, a source of our meditation. He goes on to speak about whatsoever things are lovely, and this speaks of that which produces or provokes the emotion of love within us toward others. Not talking about poodles or a great painting. When it talks about love, love here, and, I, and, and by the way, those that are, that are new around here, I speak affectionately concerning poodles. <laughs> it provokes that which produces or provokes the emotion of love within us toward others. And, and how we need to be nurtured in our lives in this way as our country where for political reasons, for other reasons, we are being carved off into tribes and we are being pitted against one another. And I, I hate the thought that it's going to take a major war to unify us beyond these silly things that we allow us to divide ourselves and to realize that we really need one another in this nation, in all of our, our diversity. But here you've got us being pitted against one another, and to avoid anything that does that is a source of meditation in our lives. And it is everywhere uh, today. And instead, to make Jesus our very safe meditation in this regard. Matthew chapter 9, uh, uh, verse 35, speaking of Jesus, and he went out about all of the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And that's how he saw people. That's how he viewed people. Uh, and and uh, it is a lovely way to view people. He goes on to talk about whatsoever things are of good report, that is what can be well spoken of that's worthy uh, of praise or worthy of approval so that we make our meditations uh, that which is held in high esteem uh, by moral uh, people, uh, that we set our minds upon 
uh, things that if somebody said uh, a penny for your thoughts, we could tell them our thoughts and, uh, and, it would, uh, and be able to do so with a stamp of approval for, for those thoughts and those meditations. Things that have virtue, he declares, that is, they possess moral excellence. That is, it, uh, things that stir up moral excellence in our life. And, and every one of us needs a, a, a continual diet of what stirs up moral excellence in our life when there is so much to uh, pull that down uh, within our, our, our lives uh, or worse in our culture. And then he closes by saying, if there is anything praiseworthy, anything that's worthy of applause morally or, or spiritually. In other words, to uh, meditate on uh, that uh, which, uh, again, if I were to share it with somebody else, they would say, wow, what a great thought, what a great meditation. It would, uh, it would receive their praise and their approval as opposed to uh, saying something that uh, is a meditation in, of my heart and my mind and then saying it and then they give you a blank stare. <laughs> Uh, or they uh, look for another group of people to walk over to and, and talk with, uh, or they just look at you in horror. Again, the Greek word that Paul uses for meditate carries the idea of to take an inventory. In other words, Paul doesn't want us to look at verse 8 in a way that some of us might be tempted to, to do so and, and conclude concerning that list. Yes, it's a lovely list. It makes for a lovely uh, sermon. I mean, that kind of thing ought to be found in, in the Bible uh, and, and so forth uh, and dismiss it in, in that way. But he wants us to stop and to take inventory of our own meditations and what we sow into our minds and what we meditate upon. And to ask ourselves whether this characterizes what we set our minds upon uh, in, in life. And if uh, something doesn't match this standard, then they just stop and say, Lord, this meditation uh, does, is not worthy of a mind that has been created in the image of God and of one who has been born again by your Holy Spirit. And so I reject it and turn my mind uh, to something else. And then if there's something that is worthy uh, of our meditation than to realize we can know that this is a safe place to put our, our minds upon and to know that it, the, uh, among many things, uh, one of the, two of the consequences will be it will produce peace in my life and it will produce joy uh, in my life. And peace and joy are rare and precious things these days. Of course, this is a great passage to memorize for this uh, very purpose of having it as a grid for our, our meditations. But since it is a beautiful description of Jesus, uh, we can just as easily ask ourselves, is this something that Jesus would fill his mind with, meditate upon, and then handle it uh, accordingly? And so Paul, in verse 9, tells us 
that he has made all of these things that he has been talking about from verse 1 in terms of dealing with conflict and having a gracious attitude toward people, uh, looking for the Lord's return, and, and so forth, all the way through here into verse 8. And he says, you've seen these things in my life. You know they mark uh, my life. You know uh, this works in terms of joy and peace because you've seen it work uh, in me. And I think if we're wise as Christians, and I know we are, we will treasure every glimpse at, that uh, the Holy Spirit gives us of what made the Apostle Paul uh, tick and produce that kind of quality of Christian life and uh, here is one of those things. Paul's determined to keep us from reading this passage as he says, you've seen it in me. And uh, he wants to keep us from, any of us from looking at a passage like this and then just dismissing it as impossible or dismissing it as unrealistic. That this is what apostles do, but the average Christian can't uh, be expected to live a life like this or to direct their minds uh, in this way. And then we wonder at the deep spirituality and, and the joy and the peace of the Apostle Paul's life. And he makes it clear that this is one of the key reasons for the life and the quality of life that he was able to live. And so it's a tremendous passage on the importance of a well-directed mind. It is absolutely essential uh, to any of us who want to live a life and, and the life of joy and peace that the Lord desires for us to have. Let's stand together now and we'll close in prayer. Well, Father, you've given us a Another one of those verses that is worthy of just a, a long walk to talk over with you, time to meditate, a time to consider what it is that we make our meditations in life, and then to examine the fruit of that, whether for good or bad, and to bring these things in line with your word. And so, Lord, I complete uh, my little part in attempting to make this clear in some way, in the form of a sermon. But we pray that the sermon would continue far beyond this, this room. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us this incredible, incredible thing called the mind, the freedoms that you give us the hunger that you have put in the human mind to explore, to learn, to grow in some direction. And yet you've also, Lord, given us the, the boundaries, the perimeters that keep it safe. We see people's minds breaking all around us and all around the world and very much in our own nation. We don't doubt that this sowing and reaping processes, people are paying a terrible, terrible price for it. 
And we don't want to do that in our own lives. And so help us with the only life that we have any control over our own to uh, allow this to do its full and its needed and its blessed work. And we pray, Lord, and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.